0: This week, I'm really excited because I actually just had a baby. We had our son, Kit Warren, was born. Uh, we just made it back from the hospital. I was actually starting to record this podcast, and then I got the message from my wife, like, it's time to go. And uh, we made it to the hospital. Well, we barely made it to the hospital in time. But mama and baby are safe. Everyone's doing great. And man, it's just such an awesome feeling. This is our second child. And so it's just it's, it's one of those things you just feel like you're you're riding that high. And then I came back home and I realized I had to get this podcast done as well. And so the thing I'm going to talk about is also very exciting. And we're going to talk about, we're going to kind of continue the excitement and talk about some elk hunting tactics. One of the things that I love to chat about is elk hunting. Now, over the years, one of my favorite places to hunt or find elk, maybe you're in an area where it's difficult to find elk, you can't turn them up. Like a go-to spot to turn up elk is what we call a hole. And over the years, as there's more hunters filing into the woods, one thing kind of rings true. You can generally find elk in places that are hard to get one out of. So over the next couple weeks, we're going to dive into some elk tactics and look at some of the best places to pull a bull out of a hole. This week, I'm going to give you my best tips for locating and hunting elk in a spot where most hunters want to avoid, a place where the uphill walkout, not to mention packout if you're successful, leaves many on the sidelines. Now, in this two-part episode, I'm going to first cover what to look for when scouting a spot like this and what types of areas create this hole effect, also why elk live there and how to effectively hunt it. Next week, we're going to cover who's a good candidate for a hole hunt, why uh, and what tools, are available for utilizing this type of area, and then how to get an elk out once you do pull the trigger. But before we do that, I wanna share the story of a whole bull that kept me dropping in for more. When I was just sitting down thinking about, okay, what story would I talk about pulling a bull out of a what I would consider a hole? And it seems like when I was just like thinking about different elk I've taken and different places I've hunted, I mean, nearly most of the elk can line up with this type of area. Now, I kind of, I really like to think back to one of the first times when I found one of my favorite places that I, it's actually probably the first place I dubbed the hole. It's like my dad and I call it the hole. It's like, where you want to hunt? Uh, Let's go to the hole. There's There's been, over the years, there's been a lot of hole hunts, you're quoting. But this particular place was kind of the first place that I pinpointed um, just a, a ton of action in an area. And I found this particular spot when it was slow, just real slow hunting conditions. I was hunting a general unit. And in this, this particular year, I was, it was archery season, and it was just like that hot weather, hunters all over, not great for elk activity. Couldn't get a bugle, nothing was going on. And this was actually back in the day. So it was before there was like GPS mapping software. And and I had a uh, old forest, just a forest service quadrangle map. And I was kind of looking over uh, different areas and thinking like, man, I just got to get away from, I just got to get away from these crowds. Like I just got to find a new spot. So, um, and this is an area that I knew fairly well, but I was just looking for a new spot in this area. And I I noticed, so on the map, there's this, this, part where the road kind of went, it was up high and the road went pretty close and there was this other ridge. And I looked on the other side and I realized like it dropped down uh, to an area that was pretty much inaccessible by other people because there was a lot of private and it was like just this little pocket. Now these kind of things are super easy to find on maps these days, but back then I was like, wait a second. Like, I didn't know I could actually get around this way and, and access this particular area. And, and I was looking at it and it was about from where the road was, is about a 3,000 foot decline down to this little pocket. So I thought, okay, I'm gonna just—I don't know. I mean, this is like a good spot, and I realized I'm like, man, it's gonna suck. I was even—I was like, great shape, you know, young guy. Didn't I? There was no elk I wouldn't go after, and I'm like, you know what? I barely want to go in there. So I imagine most other people don't. So I'm just gonna drop in there in the morning and see what happens. So. I get down there and start hiking well before daylight. I think I was like walking for about three miles, just losing elevation, losing elevation until I got about, I think I lost, yeah, around 3,000 feet in elevation. There's still mountain below before you got to the private. There's this big canyon, the creek in the bottom. I had not really even heard any bugles up until this point. And uh, so I, I let a bugle out, rip a bugle. And right off the bat, it's like three bugles in this, in this bottom go off okay game on so I just keep them working and now the, the sun starts to come up and I and I pinpoint the best bugle so I'm running down now at this point I'm like okay I'm gonna try to make it because my assumption is like they're gonna start moving up to these ridges and bedding and pushing cows which I could hear they were lower and now they're starting to move up so I'm trying to stay high and get into position on these elk so I'm dropping down they're dropping up the thermal, everything's working great. I'm like running down the mountain. I've got, it's a, there's a little bit of burn that I had to go through and there's live timber there as well. It's like pretty fresh burn from that year. So I'm like going through this fresh burn, grab some of like the ash off the tree, cover up my face because I know I'm going to get into them. I'm bugling, they're bugling, everything is perfect. And then there's this ridge where it's like the the sound kind of disappeared so I figured, oh, this is it. The sound disappeared. There, They've got to be, I thought maybe, I was like, but did they pass me? And I thought, nah, man, they got to be on the other side of this, like, I would consider, like, I don't know, a hog back ridge where it's, it was the mountains come down pretty steep and there's another gut. So it came up from the major one. And then there was this other, like, two little ridges coming down. And I figured I, they lost the sound. So I, I'm like, I'm going to get to this ridge up above where they're going. I'm assuming they're gonna go up and then I'm gonna call from there. So I, I'm just going as fast as possible. Get down there. You can lose a lot of elevation fast. So <laughs> I was like, no, oh, this place is easy to get into. So I, I keep going and I get into position and I bugle and I hear a bugle in the trees down below me. I think, oh dude, this is perfect. And so I, I knock an arrow and I'm set up and I throw out some cow calls and here comes a cow. 30 yards on the trail and I know there's I can hear like a bull glunking behind her <laughs> oh yeah and so here comes and I see this bull head tilt back and it's a nice six point bull probably like a 280 inch six point bull and I've got my I'm just ready waiting and I'm gonna shoot this bull and then I hear I'm thinking like okay as soon as this bull follows these cows like oh, I got all shots on all the cows and it's like as soon as this bull comes through this trail I am going to shoot this bull. So I get ready and then I hear that mean bugle down in the timber below this bull. And I I, now as soon as that bull stepped out, I've I've got a shot at this bull. And I look back to my right and I see a good, like a, a big, it would have been my, like at the time, best public land general unit six point, like a 330, 340 inch six point like, holy cow. I didn't even know elk like that existed in this unit, like (laughs) up until that point. I I think the bull that I could have shot was like a really nice bull, but man, this was, this was just an absolute stud bull. And he's probably 50 yards away and moving with these cows. And there's no way I'm shooting this smaller bull. So uh, that bull like moves off and I'm just waiting for him to pop out. He's probably 45, 50 yards, but the hill's really steep below me. And it's just neck and antlers moving by. I've got this smaller six point staring at him. I'm thinking they're going to maybe come together, fight, whatever. It's just, I know for a fact, this is just going to happen. And uh, the bull just keeps moving at that same elevation. I can't move down or do anything because I'm caught between there's cows and that other bull and whatever. And he just pushes on up and pushes those out, grabs all the cows and just moves off. So I tried to get back on him, never get a shot at that bull. But now I know that bull's in there. So I'm like, all right. So he moved up toward the top, back over into the private, up higher. So my my day was like, okay, I, I don't want to pressure these elk. I want to just see what they do. So I, I watch them that night, just set up, see what they do that night. And they, they're in like a fairly consistent pattern. But now that big bull's got the herd and and there's other bulls around. It's just action. So. I hike back to my truck, and I realized I was like, "Oh yeah, this is this is the slog. This is the the reason that people aren't down in here. This is the reason that these elk are just being elk." It's like nearly. I mean, I, I was it, when when I encountered that bull, I was probably a mile from the private private line, which is perfect because then I don't have to worry if I shoot something or you know, it's not it's not going to be an issue. But uh, it was like I was hunting a place that nobody else was hunting in an area that there's a lot of people hunting. And the action was completely different in there. So the next day, drop back in. The elk did something a little bit different. And over the course of that week, I think I went into that zone every single day. I got in really good shape after that week. Now, unfortunately, I didn't shoot that bull on that particular hunt. But over the years, I've shot plenty of elk in that particular spot. Uh, That was just my first initial finding of what i considered that hole and, and that that place became a, a, one of my favorite spots to hunt and that was just my, my first encounter there was I, I essentially ran into the bull of my dreams now i wish that story ended with me arrowing that bull which i got on him multiple times just no shots with that season i actually had shots on probably five or six bulls like some solid bulls but once i'd seen that giant it was that bull or nothing for me like i just i continued to pass up elk. And, and there was nothing. And then it went into general rifle season and I ended up that year shooting my best 6-point elk very close, well essentially. It was probably one of the, it was actually probably one of the elk that I passed up during archery season. I ended up shooting it like the end of rifle season because I kept holding out hope. I never saw that big bull after archery, but it was it was a lot of fun finding that spot and just an incredible hunting experience in a place where You're running into people and it was a slow URL cutting. It just, nothing was working right. And then I started to take that whole effect and finding more places like that, which, you know, I, I could find places where, whether it was well off the beaten path or near private or whatever, didn't matter. Just finding similar places and getting into more elk. And over the years, really figuring out that this is a place that elk tend to be, even in more high pressured areas, when it's hard to turn up elk, this can be a consistent elk killing spot. So when I talk about a hole, I think the first thing is we got to kind of define what that is. And so when you're thinking about elk hunting places, most places that you get into are actually in many ways a downhill pack out, even far locations. And that doesn't mean that it's easy. It doesn't mean that that can't be the deterrent from getting people into those spots, right? But I will say that the only thing tougher than packing out an elk is packing out an elk uphill especially a long way back uphill and and especially when you think about it maybe in an area that doesn't have that much horse activity or could be very difficult to get horses into Uh, maybe there's deadfall no trails whatever so essentially a hole is a place where it's uphills both ways sometimes where you have to hike uphill to get into it you drop down and then in order to get out it's an uphill slog back to wherever you got to it's essentially what it sounds like. It's a hole. There's no bo- like. There's a bottom, but there's no way out the bottom. You got to go back up in some way to get out. When I think about places where I've killed elk, the thing that can be consistent is the more devious the spot to get a bull out of, the more elk there are in there. Some hunts, right? You think about you, the struggle is not necessarily pack it like there's so many hard aspects of a hunt especially an elk hunt but if the struggle of the hunt is finding the elk I don't know how many guys I talk to especially as a guide where they're like I've been on five elk hunts and never seen a bull never seen a legal bull never had an opportunity an elk so you go well what's the what's the pinch point at killing a bull and it's finding the darn things especially when it comes to when you're talking about over the counter or general unit rifle elk hunts or even archery elk hunts. The major struggle is often finding the elk. So if you can check that one thing off the list and make that easier, then we've already kind of got into that category of success. Now, when we're talking about a hole, right, it deters a lot of people because They know that if I'm successful, I have to be able to get this elk out. So in many ways, the struggle then becomes like a a getting the animal out. But if you were never going to find an animal, you're almost better to go to the spot where it's hard to get them out and then figure out that struggle after you've got it. Now, obviously, you got to be responsible. And if you aren't physically capable or don't have the right tools, which we're going to talk about next week, then maybe it's not the spot for you. But to consistently find elk, I found that holes are a good... Topographical feature or area to look into that deters other hunters and allows elk to act like elk even in higher pressured areas. So, let's now look at what causes a hole. So there's there's a different a couple different things that I look for. What causes this hole effect? Um, now it's not necessarily saying like you're looking at the map and like I don't see any holes in the ground. It's not a hole in the ground, but it is a place where you generally can't, or it's prohibitive to be walking downhill to get out. So there's a few things that create this. So you might be in an area, uh, I think of this as more of like a backcountry area, maybe a wilderness hunt. It doesn't even have to be that. It could be a day hunt where you have to go over a mountain range on the other side. One of my top hunts of my life was Alaska, a Fognac elk hunt with my brother, Jason. And we ended up killing two really big bulls. I've, to, I've told this story before, but it was probably the most physical hunt I've ever been on. Not the hunt itself was easy. Like we found the elk. We knew where the elk are. It wasn't like that difficult. The struggle became getting a 1400 pound elk and I'm not even kidding you, 1400 pounds. That's like legit weight of these big bodied bulls up over a mountain range. Cause where we were camped, It was 3,000 feet to the top, 3,000 feet to the other side where the elk were living. So in order to get those big elk out, it was 3,000 feet back up and 3,000 feet back down through no trails, really thick brush and devil's club and horrible country. It was a slog. It was the most physically demanding thing I've probably ever done in my life. I've been on lots of sheep hunts, backcountry hunts. I mean, I lived my life in the wild. And that one was just, that one was a beast. Terrible weather, all kinds of things. I got GRD. I got, you know, it was just like, it was just, it was an incredible hunt, but the elk were in the hole. And so it was one of those where you have to go up a range and down another range. There's a lot of places that I've hunted where that's the case. And a lot of people maybe don't make it over that next range. It's not saying that these spots aren't always that far away from whatever trailhead, road what have you. In fact, some of these holes might even be something where private property is the access limiter to getting out. You can maybe have a road up high and then there's a place where you can drop down into, but the access out is private property. So you can't leave through that area. So you have to go back up the way you came. There's a lot of areas that get hunted that I know of that I've hunted, that I've seen people be successful in general units, over-the-counter units, where They're almost, not even saying hunting the boundary, but hunting an area where you have to do some work to get into it, and you have to do a lot more work to get out of it. These places are don't have to be far, but it doesn't mean that it's easy to get out. Another thing that might create a hole is maybe like we talked about, it could be an area where you're day hunting and there's a high road, but there's no road on the bottom of that side. Maybe it pops around a mountain range and then goes, maybe you could technically walk out, but you'd, you'd end up so far away or have to hike back up something anyways, that it's just kind of prohibitive. These little holes often are in places maybe that it might be easy to see into or, or, or figure out where they are, but there's a lot of people that just don't want to do the work to get into it. One of the stories that I've kind of think about from last season was I was I was in an area actually deer hunting. I didn't have an elk tag in there. Well, I had an elk tag, but I, it was an archery elk tag, and this was during late rifle season. So, and a buddy of mine and I were just checking out a new spot, and there's people freaking everywhere. Like just we were, we were just seeing it was like a road that i'd never been down I wanted to see what it looked like i i looked at a glassing spot on my maps and just wanted to go check out this glassing spot and just, and i figured there's going to be there's like a lot of roads and other things and the road wrapped around this one mountain and it looked like essentially what i was talking about a hole so i, I hike out to this point and i'm glassing and we're picking out elk and, and stuff everywhere and there's hundreds of hunters in this particular spot and i mean we stopped one, one guy I walked back to the road and I saw a guy coming up. He wanted to talk. And I was like, yeah, you got an elk tag? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, well, there's some elk over here. He's like, really? Well, I've been here a week and haven't seen a single elk. I'm like, yeah, well, you know, here they are. Like literally just showed him. And I thought it was a pretty easy spot to get into and get out of. It wasn't even like they were up pretty high. And it was just a place that maybe got overlooked by people or people just thought like, I don't want to shoot an elk in there. I'm not even going to look in there. And that's where the elk happened to be. They were in the place that it wasn't even that far from a well-traveled area where there was hundreds of hunters, and here they are hiding out in there, and pretty much in plain sight. If you just had to, took the time to find a good glassing vantage and and glass in there, so it's a place where there was no way to get out the bottom, and I think it just kind of got overlooked by a lot of people. So when you're looking for these holes, they aren't always in the backcountry. They can be fairly easy to access or in accessible landscape, but they are a place where elk often find safety, especially in more hunted areas. Because what happens during these areas is, you know, a general unit, a lot of general units actually have quite a few elk, but what happens is those elk get pressured by a lot of hunters. And then what do they do? They go to places where there isn't as much pressure. So a few things happen. They go deeper into the backcountry. They go into pockets where it's, like I say, hard to get into. Maybe there's a lot of deadfall. There's no trails. They get away from these places and they go into places where maybe they go onto private property or maybe places where, hey, there's just not as much pressure here. And when they find a place where there's not as much pressure, elk once again become elk. They start doing those elk behaviors as opposed to those evasion tactics. When elk are pressured and hunted, then they're moving a lot more. They aren't on this particular pattern. When an elk gets into an area where they feel safe and they aren't hitting that pressure as often, then they start to get back into those regular patterns that they were doing before where it's like feed... And you know, feeding in mornings and evenings, they're moving up, they're bedding, they're getting into their safety zones, and then they're doing that thing over. Elk can be pretty predictable and patternable if you can find them in places where other people aren't messing with them. And that's why these holes are such good locations to find and turn up elk because if you get into the right one, the elk are being elk and they're more patternable, they're more comfortable, they're out more, and they're easier to find. There's a lot of places where there's still elk, but they could be very difficult to find. They might not pop out in the open. They might stay in the timber, a lot of those things. So that is the case for what a hole is and why they're there. So now let's kind of talk about how are we going to identify these areas on a map? And in my story, when I started finding these places on paper maps, it was I would say that there was a lot more holes back then, okay? Because you couldn't just... Open up a go hunt map. You couldn't just say, like, where's the property line? Where's this? You just had to do so much more research. And I wouldn't say that those were the good old days because now I can go into a place that I know nothing about and find similar areas like this uh, fairly quickly. So the way that I do it, I I start to look for those things that make a hole. Where's a place uh, where maybe a trail goes up and over a range, but there's a pocket over here that you got to drop down into go. So I, I look for the access points in high spots and then look for ways where it'd be very difficult or long to get out from the bottom. Another thing I like to do is look for those pockets around private where I know, hey, there's probably a lot of things that this private might have, but there's no way to access it without kind of climbing back out. That's always a sure fireplace to look as well and start that search. So I look for places where you can go over a range or a small mountain. I look for those places where Um, Maybe there's a high road or high trail and the best access point is now dropping down from there. And then I kind of look for those areas around the private that have that same thing. And, you know, you can turn on all those features of I'm looking for those private boundaries. I'm doing that topography. I'm really also keying into like, I'll pull up my map and I'll throw it in 3D mode and I'll just look at that 3D imagery and say, okay, here's this pocket. Here's, a good thing. Once I find those pockets, I'm just gonna, let's say I'll like mark it. I'll mark it with a P. I generally use like the parking. (laughs) No, Uh, like just mark it with uh, some, some color. I, I like to color coordinate my maps. This is like a little... Thing that I do of like here's a place that I've ne- never been is one color, uh, certain types of topography features is another. Something that I need to investigate is another. Make sure you make your own little legend and a note. I just do a little note on my phone of what colors or what. Sometimes I just pick a new color for something. I'm like, okay, I want to look at this while I'm in the field or I don't know. But anyways, I'm getting off track. So I, I marked the, that pocket. Now I'm going to look at the map. I'm going to switch between topography. I'm going to switch between satellite imagery, 2D, 3D. I'm just going to really analyze this spot and say, does it have what elk need? Of course, the main tenets of elk habitat, food, water, cover. And when we're talking about that, you're looking, if it's a place that you believe is difficult to get into and you are the type of person you can physically get in there, now I'm going to say, okay, what kind of habitat is it? Does it have maybe, and here's the things that I'm just going to personally look for, especially if it's the late season, I'm going to look for maybe a south-facing slope. I'm going to look for timber. I'm going to look for maybe a creek bottom or a drainage where it's got consistent water. Now, if it's a place where it's a hole near private, I might not have to have all the certain things, but maybe this particular piece on public has something that the private doesn't. So maybe the private particular area has the food, but it doesn't have the cover. Well, now does this pocket have cover where it could draw elk off of somewhere that maybe is less pressured, and they got to come here and bed. If it doesn't have those things, then I'm going to probably avoid that spot. Same thing if I'm looking deep into the backcountry, an area where I have to hike into or off of a trail. Okay, if I drop into this basin, does it have those things that elk need? If if it's all timbered country, does this one pocket have a few open south-facing meadows where it's like good grass and good feed? okay, cool. I'm, now I'm going to start highlighting those areas. Maybe it's an area where it's really open and maybe more desolate, like a, a Northern Nevada, Eastern Nevada type hunt. A lot of places in Utah or wherever. And it's like, okay, it's more open. You know, there's, there's good cover kind of everywhere, but there's not necessarily water everywhere. Does this little pocket have some kind of water tank or a spring or a creek that's going to act as something to keep those elk there? And if it has that and also has... Limited pressure, then I've pinpointed a spot that's a potential for an elk hidey hole. When it comes to hunting a hole, I think that the most crucial thing is okay, you've got to find a place that has those things. Then obviously, there are great looking holes that don't have elk, but when you find the one that does, if it's also highly unpressured, then the best way to hunt it is to exploit the weakness of elk's, I guess propensity to be patternable. And a lot of times what elk do in these holes is they kind of make a circuit. And what that circuit does is it keeps them moving, it keeps them safe, but it also keeps them in familiar country. So what it might be is maybe the circuit is elk, let's use a pri- the private hole philosophy, where they're going down, they're feeding at night in maybe open meadows, fields, doesn't even matter what it is. Maybe there's just better feed there. So feeding there, and then they move up in the daytime, pick one of 10, 15 ridges that they could have good bedding on. They've got a south-facing slope. There's water in those canyons, and they've got those things. So they're going from food to bedding, food to bedding, and that's a circuit. But they might also be kind of making these – little three-day loops. There's a few places where I've seen, it's like they aren't as pressured, but they're still kind of have to move around to stay safe. If they're on the same pattern every day, there's enough hunters that pop in and out of these things that they start to make these circuits and they start to go to different places in these protected little pockets. Even when you know you find one that you think nobody else wants to get into, you're probably gonna find somebody else that wants to get into it, especially after listening to this podcast. But what I've found is, You know, there is some kind of pattern ability. And so my particular hunting tactic with these is, you know, banking on the fact that there might be less pressure, but also that these elk might be having a a safety pattern. So we're we're trying to exploit what are these elk doing and just kind of in many ways being an observer of the elk in these areas. What are they doing? Paying attention to how they're moving and and how they're uh, utilizing these areas. Another way that... Uh, we talk about hunting that pattern, is kind of look for those travel routes. Maybe there's a particular ridge where there's just a ton of sign. There's a trail beaten three inches into the dirt. And you go, okay, elk hang out here because they get less pressure. They have particular travel routes and travel patterns. And these are the particular places within this hole that I can have a high likelihood of finding elk. Another way to hunt a hole or a pocket, is to get a good high glassing vantage and look into the area. You know, you don't always have to drop straight down into it. Now, if it's a timbered area, like that story I told, or as like, I couldn't, I looked in there and never, you know, there's a piece you could see a little bit, there's timber and whatever, but you just had to commit to just plummeting down into the abyss to get into the elk, to hear the bugles, to know that there's elk there because you just couldn't hear or see them from anywhere else. There's other places where I found holes that it's like, okay, there's a, I mean, we're still talking maybe top third of the mountain, but you have to go up over a ridge and I can glass it from three, four miles away somewhere else. I can glass into that feeding area. And I see that there's a predictable pattern of last year, for example, I was hunting an area where I could look into the spot and every evening, almost it was like the same group of bulls came out, fed, went back into the timber. They did it you know, for quite a few days and I went in there uh, with someone and we are like, all right, we saw them the night before or sorry, we saw them that morning. They fed in. We watched where they went into. We went in there, got set up, actually picked them out just as they came out of the timber and shot one of the bulls. So that's another tactic of seeing like where they're, what they're doing and then either drop in early or spend your time working into that particular spot and utilizing their kind of, safety through pattern because they aren't being pressured all the time and that's why hunting these holes can be very successful if you find one where a lot of people aren't getting into you can find an pressured elk and then you can hunt those elk acting like elk not necessarily just running scared throughout the country and when that happens you have a really high likelihood of success because you can exploit that pattern now in in many areas right like you're thinking about over-the-counter colorado hunts or something like that where It's almost like there are a lot of holes and a lot of those holes still get hit, but maybe they aren't getting hit as hard as somewhere else where there's a lot of elk and a lot easier to get in and out of. So they're still patternable in some way, but you just got to figure out what's the circuit that they're making and how do I exploit that? There's one particular place. I've got a lot of anecdotes on this, but there's one particular place where I hunted and it was an opening day kind of deal. It was one of these holes, but I knew that there was going to be probably two or three other hunters in there opening day. But the other thing I did know is I knew where these travel routes were. I knew where they liked to be. I knew where they, the the pocket in this particular spot that they use these trails. They kind of make these three-day circuits. I'd seen them in their scouting. So we got set up opening day. Guys walked past us kind of how I expected getting into the spot where you see a lot of elk dropping down way further. I stayed up a little higher. And when the sun came up, they had already bumped the elk and actually guiding at the time my hunter shot one of the elk it like one of the bulls came up we were just kind of like starting our glassing from the spot because this is where they're coming into when they get pressured we really understood their travel patterns and you end up shooting the bullet like 50 yards away so that's just understanding those elk and, and paying attention to how those elk are working once you get into these spots and find them is a really successful way to hunt the hole now the last hunting tactic that i often use for these particular places especially when it comes to archery season elk hunting is the drop in early mentality like the in that story the reason that i think those elk in that big elk and a lot of elk were consistently in there like i could pretty much find elk in this spot every time is because there was a major energy exertion to get in there and so by dropping in early and just committing to dropping in, committing into that legwork and saying, look, I'm going to spend, it doesn't matter where I go, right? If I'm going up a canyon, I'm going back, I'm going to put on some miles. I might as well put in these hard miles after this place that's the, probably going to be the most successful. And I would say it's going to be a lot harder to get one out of here for sure, but I can just cross that bridge when I get there. Um, and by dropping in early and really committing to, to diving into some of these places, you're, you're steps ahead. You, you get up early. You start hiking in, and you've got in. You're in position when that sun comes up because maybe it's a, a limited time opportunity, or you can't see everything from up above. There's a lot of people that see these areas. They try to hunt it. Oh, we'll drop in there if we see something, and sometimes that's not the best way to find a good vantage to hear an elk bugle, or to kind of be ready and make it happen. There's a lot of holes where maybe you hike up over the ridge from a a road, a day hunt. It's a day hunt. Let's say they start hiking at daylight to get up to the top. They start glassing. They see elk. They make their move. But by the time they get there, the play's over. Uh, a lot of the success that I found is, is being in the position close enough to make a play when it happens. So that's another tactic to, to hunting these holes effectively. And that's especially if you're in better shape and you can do that, you're going to find more success in these areas. Another thought is you can day hunt or pack in, right? So people will be like, well, why don't you just pack in to the, if you got to drop so far down, what's the point of doing it every day? And even on a backcountry hunt where I've got all my gear on my back and I'm in a particular spot, sometimes I won't pack my camp down into these whole locations. There's a reason for it. Not necessarily like, I'm not really afraid of blowing the animals out, although that is definitely a possibility. Some of these areas are, I'm not talking like a, a small area. Sometimes, one of the holes that I hunt's like five miles of terrain within going over this mountain range. There's plenty of country to hunt, plenty of areas to camp. But when I think about getting out, I still have to pack all my gear plus whatever. It's the early season archery. It's not a big deal. I go bivouac style hunting. I carry my camp with me every day and we drop down. But as soon as I get something, then that, you know, is is an extra load that I have to make, extra energy expanded. Sometimes I just choose to camp on the other side. And I'd rather just say, okay, I set my camp up here and I'd rather just expend the energy every day with a light pack. I can do it. It's not that, I mean, you hike out at night and you're like, oh gosh, this is a slog. But I know that when I kill something, I don't also have to carry a camp out. And that's just one of the strategies that I use. I know there have been times where I go, okay, this is just... I, it's, I'm exhausted. I just want to, if I'm camping in here, I don't have to work as hard every single day. And sometimes I'll just drop down, set up that camp, especially if I've got other people. If I'm by myself, generally, I just choose to day hunt it. Cause I know once I kill a bull, my first trip out, I can start carrying meat and it's only maybe one or two more trips after that, as opposed to a spare trip to get my camp gear out. But that's, you know, the primary ways that I hunt these holes. That's how I find them. I look for those areas that there's it's not easy to be able to get out the bottom, an area that might be hard to get into. Another thing, just as a side note, when I'm looking for these areas, I'm looking for the places, if, if I've got my choices, I'm looking for the places that don't have real great access into them. It's like, you got to go off country. Maybe there's a burn with a bunch of deadfall. There's a little, another little obstacle to go through. One of my best holes in recent years is a place where, the deadfall just became so shitty that I didn't even want to walk in there and what I ended up just going in like 300 yards and then cutting a trail but I didn't want other people you know where his trail is so I ended up going in there in summer and just cutting out a good trail to get in there cuz I hunted it regularly enough that it was worth it for me to do that and but just that obstacle of okay it's kind of a shitty way in and then you got to still hike out I, I was getting into unpressured elk consistently, and it was a really successful spot for me when it came to turning up elk. Especially in those, I would, or I'd use that place as like before I got a trail cut in there. I'd just use it when it's like, all right, I've been hunting, I can't find what I need. Okay, I'm gonna commit to to just sucking it up, going in there, and when I kill one, I'll figure it out. Not, I mean, like I say, I'll figure it out. I mean, I'll pack it out, um, and that's. Those are the ways that I look at hunting these holes. So I think if that's if you start to shift your focus and say, okay, let's, let's look for these places that are out of the way, that are hard to get into and even harder to get out of, those are consistent elk producers and they can be a really good backup plan when you are having trouble even just finding elk. I hope you guys enjoyed that podcast and got your minds thinking about there's probably places where you know you've been and you go, man, I had trouble finding elk on this hunt. And then, yeah, we went in, it just clicks. Like, yep, that's a particular place where I found elk. And maybe you're listening to this podcast and you go, yeah, that's all great, but you still have that work aspect to get into there and get an elk out. So how does that help me? Well, next week, we're going to dive into some of the tactics of things you can do to make it a little bit easier on yourself, whether it's the pack out, whether it's the mental aspect, we're gonna really dive into committing to that whole hunt and what kind of physical preparation are we actually gonna need? What are some ways that we can get an elk out of there, whether we're by ourselves or or whatever, what are some strategies for that pack out? And then just like, what are some strategies for having that, if it's like a hard place to get into and, that's the reason that there's elk there Uh, what are some ways that we can better ourselves for being able to do that kind of hunting so i'm really looking forward to that i really want to make this kind of a two-part series and start it off early because you know elk hunting is one of those things that if you can get these places pinned down as you start to apply for a unit look at picking up a tag and and start thinking about the kind of places that you're going to go hunting doing that now researching these areas you're gonna have a lot more areas in the back of your pocket when it comes time for the season to open or maybe there's a, an area that you've hunted multiple years and you go okay yeah some years i'm consistent some years i'm not here's some places that i can keep in my back pocket for when it gets hard when it gets tough when i'm seeing a lot of pressure because every year is different every situation is different but these kind of things generally ring true no matter where you're hunting so I think that those are going to be really awesome things to look at. I'm really excited. Now, we're going to be jumping into a live q and I'm going to record that next week as well. So we'll have some prizes for that. Next Thursday, we're going to do a live Q&A. So you can listen to next Thursday's podcast. I'll give you a little more information on that. Or just, I think the best way is check out my social media, at Remy Warren on Instagram. I generally keep like the times and the number and everything to call in, ask your question for that live q and I generally try to do those, like air them on the first of the month, but I really wanted to talk about this whole hunt because I feel like it's a good time to talk about it. And I feel like there's there's too much information and a few things that we can pull out and really dive into next week as well. Uh, I was looking to, I got one of the things that we probably will talk about next week when it comes to the pack out and you start talking about gear. I was looking, I actually got an email from uh, Stone Glacier just on their newsletter here. Uh, yesterday and it's talking about their new terminus 8700 pack. and I got a, quite a few questions of people asking about this pack, so I figured I'd kind of highlight it here because it's like hey, this is the kind of hunt that I want to get into. what helps maximize that And lightweight gear makes it a lot easier because you aren't carrying as much in, you aren't carrying as much out but you still have the ability and capability to do a lot of pack out. So this is their new pack. it's the, definitely the lightest. It doesn't have as many you know, internal pockets and other things. Just It's a little more simple, but it also is a lot lighter. It's, it's only four pounds, four ounces, 8,700 cubic inches of storage, double weather resistant fabric. And then it's still got that internal spotting scope pocket. And then it just uses the internal load cell. So just putting the meat in your pack for that pack out. So instead of pulling it away and having that load shelf, it just all goes in your pack. And I actually do majority of my pack outs internal in the bag. I like the way that it fits in, in loads. And when we're talking about pulling in a bull out of a hole, you know, we're going to spend a little bit more time prepping it and boning it out, you know, not carrying unnecessary weight because it's already difficult. So less weight in, less weight out and still finding success. So as Stone Glacier, as you guys know, incredible supporter of this podcast, they help bring this podcast to you guys and it's, they've got the best gear on the mountain. So I, I never mind talking about some of the new stuff they've got out because it's some incredible stuff. So that's something to look for if you're interested in a new pack. And then also I wanted to remind everyone about our outdoor class. I'm actually, the reason I want to remind everyone is I'm preparing my new series this year. And I think you guys are really going to enjoy this. If you aren't familiar with it, it's um, essentially like a master class for hunting. I've got a mule deer one on there, but... The thing that I'm excited about is some of the ones that are on their way. So we've got some new ones about getting ready to launch, got one on e-scouting, and then one that there's some really good cooking stuff coming out, uh, I, I love that stuff. And then this one I'm really excited about as well, John Barklow, uh, if you don't know who he is, he's uh, really good at the wilderness survival aspect. And I think that's something that every hunter could know more on. I think one of the things that I encounter in the field, especially like as a guide, is the lack of bushiness with many people that head into the back country. These are just some of the things that you you should and need to know. And I think the best way to do it is, is I mean, don't be afraid to like get expert help on this kind of stuff. A lot of the survival skills and things that I know were because I, I went out and, and did a lot of it. I've put myself, not put myself in bad, like intentionally done it. But also there's just some things that, man, if you aren't thinking about uh, th- something can change, not necessarily even a survival situation, but just your comfort in the backcountry and allow you to carry less and just thrive better. Um, so I think that those are going to be really, I haven't seen any of those yet, but I've heard that they're on their way and I'm excited about that. The cool thing is you get access to all the other courses. So all these other courses are free. You can sign up 30% off using code live wild as a reminder. And I hope you guys enjoy that. And I'm really excited. Uh, you can, soak up some of that other content. There's some great elk hunting stuff on there. There's some really good stuff. I've actually gone through and watched a lot of the other ones on there. And man, there's some really good information. If you like this podcast, you will love outdoor class. So check that out. And as always get 30% off. So I, uh, I think until next week, I'm going to say ace in the hole. All right. Catch you guys later.